What I love about what you just shared about that home and that 503C is that that why is one that does not have a finish line. That'll that'll get you coming right? back. Right. That every that'll day. that'll keep you motivated for pretty much for I mean it, it won't matter how you know a lot, a lot of us get into the business rob because we want more time and we want to make a lot of money. But at some point you probably make enough money where you're like, you know, hey, like this I'm good, right? And that doesn't drive you anymore. But your desire to serve other people and to have a why that big will drive you well beyond, um, you know, the next 10 or 15 years, if that's how long you want to you wanna continue doing this, man. All right, friends, welcome to another episode of the Context to Contrast podcast. I am Brian Lovell, again here with my co-host, Mr. John Jones, and we have another episode in our Top Producers podcast, and we want to introduce to you Mr. Rob Young, who's a producing branch manager in Cincinnati, Ohio. Rob, welcome to the show, man. Hey guys, thanks for the invite. Probably a little colder here than it is where you guys it's, are. It's definitely a little colder in Cincinnati. I think the high today here in Tampa is somewhere around 80. You're close. We're, yeah. get, we're getting close. But however, we did have a uh, chill over the weekend. We, we did. were down, at, down around 40, high 30s, low 40s. Yeah, it was like 40s, yeah, so 40s was, or 50s. So. That was our dose of yeah. uh, Ohio weather. Rob, did you have a white Christmas? Uh, a little bit. It, it's, it snowed on Christmas Eve, just enough to oh, wow. act like snow, but it, it didn't okay. stick. Yeah, that's perfect. Didn't that's stick. what it's yeah, supposed to do up north. Yeah, that's pretty great. That's pretty great. All right, Rob. Well, um, we want to spend a little bit of time talking to you today about you know how you've built your business. I know you haven't always been a producer at this level, and what we are hoping some folks will take away from the time that we spend together is what are some of the tips, tricks, and strategies that you've used to build not just your personal business but also um, your branch over the years. So, uh, John, I'll let you kick us off, man. Yeah. So, I mean, just we'll start in 2020 and just talk about what your team looks like at the branch today. And then we'll circle back to day one from Rob. But if you can tell us what 2020 looks like in your on your uh, branch makeup. Um, so we have uh, six, maybe seven producing loan officers currently, including myself and my business partner, David, who does uh, a lot of production more than just sales. I have two processors. And then I have um, two transaction coordinators. One does the front end. The other one's more like doc prep, does all the disclosures and, you know, add stuff to the Z drive, our external drive and, um, you know, doing the documents to get it over to processing. So that that's really where at 12, 13, give or take, depending on the day, but that's that's our <laughs> makeup. So, Rob, I'm assuming your branch always hasn't always been that size. You just shared you got quite a bit of leverage there, which is allowing your loan officers to focus on doing the things that drive their business while somebody else takes care of the the day to day on the loan. How did you have to adapt or build your branch in 2020 with the incredible year that our industry has had different than some of the previous years? Well, I think um you know, leverage is the main key. And a lot of people talk about that in our industry and in real estate. Um, I had probably too, too much processing, not enough originating, if you will. But I realized that most of my originators were getting burnt out on 
collecting documents. So, you know, Dave and I had to be smarter as to say, okay, well, it's going to cost us more money, but can they originate more loans by adding more people? Uh, and I think that's probably the scariest thing because we all know if we don't produce enough revenue, you know, Justin calls us and says, unfortunately, we got to relook at your pro forma uh, or Tom, whoever. But, you know, you 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 have to figure out, is that the pain point? Is it because they can't get to enough loans because they have them, but they can't originate them versus is it just because they don't want to do it? And that's something that I've learned over the years. You know, luckily, I am with Keller Williams in the Cincinnati market. I go to a lot of their training. We're in their office trying to go to another one. So, you know, we're we're getting some of that training that they talk about leverage and do your one thing in the book and all that stuff that Gary and uh, Papazan talk about. So, okay, yep. you know, we see it all. It's just that can you implement it into your mortgage <clears throat> business? Because they're not much different if you really peel it back and look at it. Um, yeah. So, Rob, you, you mentioned David, who's your business partner. Um, so so how do you guys like split the responsibilities of running, leading the branch? So he we were kind of self-producing loan officers. He actually hired me in the business back in 2000. Yes, that means I've been doing it 21 years. Um, <laughs> however, this year we kind of looked at it as can I be more on the sales side and he be more on the production side to help out? You know, in the beginning during the pandemic, I mean, there was just a couple of us here. So, you know, we're wearing a processing hat. We're trying to call customers. You know, we're doing everything because people are scattered all over the place. But it just, we had the realization of he's better at taking on the processing side and doing the production. And I was better at, okay, when this borrower calls, tell him this, say this. So it was more of the sales. So that's normally our personality. Like, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm high D and David's more of an SC. So it just kind of fits in to where it's kind of like a match made in heaven that we're both yin and yang off each other. So just made more natural sense this year by having more production um, that he would be on the production side and I would stay on the sales side. And that's what we're going to continue for 2021. That's great. So, hey, man, congratulations to the both of you for kind of adapting in the middle of, uh, you know, a pandemic. And obviously our industry is having the best year probably ever. Um, so you've had to change at all of your systems and models to be able to capture as much business as you can during this time, but also provide the right amount of leverage to your loan originators. Um, my question is, and I know our, and I'm not taking anything away from anybody, but I know you've had a great year in terms of overall production. But how did you see the changes that you made within your branch structure, or your branch operations? How, how did that help you and your originators that are producing go out and, and get more business? So my business coach, who unfortunately is no longer with us, yeah. used to tell me, and this is going back probably to 2013, that no one cares what you do, Rob, unless you know how much, unless they know how much you care. So I've kind of kept that mantra with respect to, you know, just life in general and business in general. Um, and so 
It kind of ties into why I'm in the business, but I know, John, one of the questions you asked me was, well, did you get in it for the money? And I could tell you that I didn't get in it for the money because I didn't know what kind of money you could make. Um, and it, did, it took me like 15 years to figure out why I was in the business. And I can honestly tell you that in the last six years, I've made more money than I've made in the first 15. Wow. <laughs> because now I know why I'm in the business. So um, you're going to share with us, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, like the suspense you know, is building so, here, Rob. So, so to answer your question, Brian, I wanted to find people that had the same path that I did. Maybe it wasn't the direction that I got there, but at least when they got back to the road, it was like, okay, here's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And it's centered around helping people get what they want because they don't care what you do unless that happens. And I know Zig Ziglar said that, you know, help enough people get what they want. They get, you get what you want, mm -hmm. anything. There's different combinations, but you know, my business coach, that's what he used to tell me. Like, they don't care what you do, man. They just want to know how much you care. He would, it's almost like I have a tattoo somewhere of him saying, <laughs> so, so with the help of him, and another business coach that I have currently, her name's Nanette Polito, they found what everyone likes to talk about, which is your why, Simon Sinek, whatever, whoever you want to say, they all yep. want to talk about it. Um, but mine stems around not from like a bad situation. It was just that I didn't know what I didn't know. But what I didn't know is I didn't know that what a house means to people and how it grounds you with respect to your legacy and so when i was growing up i didn't my parents rented and it wasn't that we didn't have what we needed but i couldn't go out and buy a pair of jordans every weekend or every month but i you know we still had food on the table that's not what it was about it was just that they were in a situation that fortunately my grandparents owned a house and they could live there and rent and we never owned anything so it wasn't until my business coach in about 2015 said she kept saying why does this house mean so much to you what what is this house what you keep talking about this house what is it well i found out or figured out that it was the house that my parents didn't buy and i remember the story or i remember back when i was 10 my parents showed me this house and told me that we were going to purchase it whatever reason they didn't do it financially they got they were smart and i don't know but whatever it wasn't because we couldn't afford it i just had no idea rates were at 15 percent, maybe right. <laughs> correct so so probably it was a lot of combination of things that i didn't understand but when i realized that that was the reason why i was in the mortgage business a 10 year old kid did not get a house that he wanted that's where the words came from it was so i can help people grow their legacy through home ownership and i can say that anywhere and people are intrigued to figure out what I'm talking about. And I've gotten better at, you know, speeding up the story and slowing it down if I need to and all the other stuff that coaches talk about how to do it effectively, but that's it. And then, you know, to take that story forward and Brian knows this, uh, you might also John, but we're gonna start a 503c don't have the name yet but eventually in the next couple of years the lady that currently owns the house that my parents couldn't afford or buy um 
I'm going to buy it from her and we're going to turn it into a probably more than likely a shelter for people that can't defend themselves, you know, whether that's domestic or abuse or whatever. So that'll probably be the only center in my area of town. And the good thing about it's where I grew up. It's my hometown. The house has been there for it's awesome. probably a That's years. awesome. Yeah, yeah. And, that's uh, awesome. So that that's, and I'm in the planning stages with the county and a couple other things and getting the 503C set up. Dude, Rob, that that is awesome, man. Yeah. So uh, two things that I love about that. One, um, I know, Rob, you have like a name for your branch and it has something to do with building a legacy. Can you share that with us? Yeah. I mean, our, our, I guess our slogan is helping families grow their legacy through homeownership. Okay. So that's a vision or a, or a value system that you and David obviously lead to the rest of the people that are uh, a part of your branch. But what I love about what you just shared about that home and that 503C is th- that why is one that does not have a finish line. That'll that'll get you coming right? back that, every that'll, day. That'll keep you motivated for pretty much. For, I mean, it, it won't matter how, you know, a lot, a lot of us get into the business, Rob, because we want more time and we want to make a lot of money. But at some point, you probably make enough money where you're like, you know, hey, like this, I'm good, right? And that doesn't drive you anymore. But your desire to serve other people and to have a why that big will drive you well beyond, um, you know, the next 10 or 15 years, if that's how long you want to you want to continue doing this, man. So kudos for you for taking the time uh, to put that mission, vision and values together for for your business. Yeah, it was definitely not easy to find. Let me tell you. Yeah, no, I mean, it never is. It never is. Yeah, I guess that's why people think it's so important in the uh, business world to figure out what it is that you're chasing because it may it does make it easier those days you don't want to get up it makes it easier because that's you are shooting for something that's more important than yeah just yeah and by the way i think that's a legacy too rob that like even your family can get behind right like a lot of us are our big why is our family it's our spouse our children um whatever that may be this you're you're venturing into something that even your family will be able to get behind me. That's, dude, I'm, I'm super proud of you for that. Let's back up a little bit. And um, your business hasn't always been what it is right now. So what, what happened to take you from just being an average loan originator to doing what you're doing right now? Um, well, I always tell my loan officers, you got to plant a lot of trees in the referral game. Uh, they're not going to, and I say fruit trees because they're the hardest to plant and continue to grow. So if you don't plant enough trees, you know, you're not going to have fruit down the road. And, you know, this is a referral game business. I mean, I won't sit here and say that I don't buy Zillow leads sometimes and, you know, do the other stuff that you have to do. But for the most part, it's taking care of the client, which then turns into, you know, getting the referral to the next one. And then also, you know, really not, for lack of a better term, just blowing smoke up agents, you know what, telling them exactly what, you know, I'm not here to sell you that I'm the best rates. I'm not here to tell you I'm the greatest loan officer. I'm here to tell you that, 
strategically and strategy, if that's what you're looking for as a loan officer, I'm right there at the top. If you want to figure out how to get a square peg in a round hole, I'm your guy. If you, <laughs> if you don't, that's fine. You can go to the bank and you can just move forward and do all the stuff you want to do. But that's, that's where I get most of my in, introductions to agents. It comes through turndown. Uh, yep. Then turndown switches over into a consistent pipeline of you know, transaction after transaction with most, with most agents. So is most of your business purchase business, Rob? Yeah, I think this year, you know, it's a little off because of refis, but we're still, I think, 74% purchase, and the difference is the refi game. Wow, very strong, very strong uh, purchase business there. So how, how did that grow? I mean, that doesn't happen overnight. It's not a boom. Yeah, we, we um, were fortunate enough that a Keller Williams was gonna open around us. And actually my friend is the broker. And so, and actually there was a meeting with that group with Tom and Laura Lynn to actually get me in the door eventually, like saying that they'll support me to help with their agents and doing the transactions with Van Dyke. Um, as a affiliated partner or a renter, whatever you want to call us. Um, and that's kind of what started, you know, the action plan of moving forward to, you know, growing the team and then figuring out what we needed and, you know, going from one processor to two and then going from no transaction coordinators to one and then four and, you know, back to two, you know, just kind of evolved over the years because, you know, Agents are the lifeblood of what I would say, in my opinion, of most loan officers that are in the purchase business. And you can screw it up real fast. <laughs> being, in, being in house, you definitely can make that mistake. Yeah, w once you make one mistake, that tends to snowball and kind of everybody in the office knows about it pretty darn quick. Um, if I can ask, I mean, being, being in house um, in, in the Keller Williams office, like what is your top activity that you do to get in front of agents and, and, and maintain a relationship and grow the relationship? Honestly, which you probably already know this, it's phone calls. Okay. It's not coffee. It's not lunch. It's, I mean, it's work, you know, it's grinding out on the phone. Hey, how are you? What are you doing? How are you doing? I just saw on Facebook that your wife, whatever, like, or I just saw you had a grandchild. You know, you're just, you're just almost like there enough that they know you're there because just like everybody else, when you buy a car, you didn't know your neighbor had it because of reticular activation. It's the same thing with agents. <laughs> if I was the last phone call, you get, you get the deal. <laughs> they yeah. call and hey, so-and-so just, you know, I need a, I need a lender. Well, more than likely they're gonna say, oh, I just talked to one, here's his phone number. Yeah. Um, and I would, you know, most people don't like the phone, but it hasn't scared me yet. Yeah, for, so for whatever reason, that phone weighs like 80 pounds, you know, it's like so heavy to pick up. Um, you know, seem, I, we seem to have a common thread amongst top producers though. What's the, nem the first go-to for everybody? I, as I would as say as this is our sixth episode, uh, our sixth episode of the Top Producers Podcast. And this is the big shiny and object. Yeah. Is the phone. Yeah. And the number one thing everybody has said is pick up the phone. You know, I, I had a conversation, Rob, 
here recently with a, um, a broker here in the Tampa Bay area who serves roughly a thousand agents, 900, a thousand agents in this area between a couple of offices. And the thing that I took away from that conversation was right now, especially in the COVID scenario that we're in, agents are craving relationships more than they ever had, right? I would tell you that people are craving relationships more than they ever had. It's not just agent specific. And, you know, because of that, I think there's, there's two good, there's two things. One, if you haven't been keeping in touch with your referral partners, they're probably more likely to cheat on you than they ever have been. Absolutely. But if you're looking to build your business, there's never been a more ripe time to go after um, real estate agent business than there is right now because they're getting overlooked more than they ever have. And, and I think half the battle for us is to answer the phone. It's crazy to me. If we were sitting here interviewing a real estate agent and we asked them, like, what are the top qualities that they're looking for in a loan officer, to Rob's point, one of the first ones they tell you is answer the phone. So one of the tricks when I originated and I had to purposely put this in my plan, you know, at the beginning stages was I made it a point that I answered every call that came in. And it was just, it was intentional whether or not I had that person programmed in or not. It was either going to be a realtor that I haven't worked with yet that I need to work with, or it was a referral from a realtor that it's a client calling in. And if you don't, if you don't, don't answer that phone, mm -hmm. they hang up and they go to the next person. Yes. Uh, you know, I mean, for them, a minute is, yeah. is hours and if not days for a yeah. real estate agent yeah. in time. Yeah, I, I uh, did an interview with uh, a top producing real estate agent here in the Tampa Bay area, has a large team, probably 15, 20 people on the team, you know, between salespeople and operations people. And one of the things I asked is, you know, how would a, a loan officer go about earning your business? And his response was, listen, here's the deal. When my client, when, when, our, when customers call in to me, to my team, somebody always answers the phone to the point where even out of business hours, they have an answering service. So he's like 100% of the time, you call my team, somebody will answer the phone. There's no leaving a, a voicemail. Person, yep. There's no, you know, somebody not answering it. He's like, so to that end, when we call a loan officer, if you didn't answer the phone for the live handoff buyer to LO, we on. call the next LO on our list. Yep. And I was, I was just blown away by that. We've all been guilty that, yeah. you know, you wait five minutes, you reach out to the client or the customer, the referral, and they say, oh, no worries. I, I just talked to somebody else and, and uh, thank, thanks for the callback. Yeah. You know, and, it, yeah. and it's just a matter of minutes. So Rob, I, to, to kind of follow up on that, um, do you have a system or a process in place to stay in front of those phone calls? Like, how do you know who to call, when to call? Like, what, what's the strategy? Well, so every Monday I do how are you phone calls mm -hmm. to probably uh, 15, you know, some people would say 40. I think that's a little bit too much. Um, I do 15 that I've done a transaction with in the last, um, you know, quarter. And then, you know, if I'm trying to add more to the phone calls, then I'll, you know, identify them through the processes that we have based on listing agents or, you know, or try to figure out if I really liked working with that listing agent, how can I help them, 
and then I will, you know, add that to the list and try to make, you know, a couple phone calls right away to try to get them to engage. And it, it goes like, hey, I'm just calling to see how you're doing. Do you need anything? Can I help you with anything? Do you have any turndowns that just you found out over the weekend? You know, Monday, I think is a typical day for most agents because they worked all weekend mm -hmm. if they're showing property. And then Monday is like, okay, what do I have to get done today? What offers do I have to get in? Where do I have to, you know, what lender do I have to call? So I just think Monday, they're already in that mode. You know, I know some people say Friday's a good day. I've always had a bad luck on a Friday because they're either playing golf. They're out. <laughs> they're, you know, at the bar already having a drink. They're relaxing, you know, because they're, they're getting ready for the weekend. So it's almost like their weekend is Thursday and Friday, mm -hmm. unless they have closings. And Saturday, Sunday through Wednesday is where they're really they're cranking the work time. Yeah. Um, so for I'm, the most part, that's what I'm, I mean, for the, I would say this year, every loan officer has been blessed with more business than they knew what to do with. But, you know, when it, when it's time, when the phone's not ringing, that's where I always head back to that Monday phone call. And then of course, you know, doing the updates a couple times a week, Hey, the appraisals due in, you know, and I, and I also think that most loan officers, they tell too much on the voicemail. So then the agent doesn't have to call back. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. like, they're like, I don't know why the listing agent won't call me back. That's right. what my loan officer tell me. I'm like, well, here, let me leave a voicemail. Hey, it's Rob. I'm the branch manager. I have a, I have to go over something with you on the yeah. appraisal on 123 Main Street. Give me a call back. They call back in two minutes. <laughs> they, they, they call They call back and you say, everything's good. Thanks for the yeah, call back. I just back. wanted to let you how know you doing? came in at value. We're good. Yeah. And then the loan officer's like, well, how'd you do that? I'm like, because I didn't tell them anything. <laughs> yeah. Like, the more you tell them, the more they're going to, you know, they're not going to. It's it's like hearing from your doctor. Your test results are good. Well, I don't need to call them. But if they said, hey, you need to call us, you know, we need to talk to you about something, you're going to call them right away because you don't know what they're going to say. That's right. Yeah. Um, so especially if it's a Saturday. <laughs> yeah. So, Rob, it, it sounds like you have a system or a process in place to stay in front of agents, um, you know, to continue to make those care calls or whatever that call might be about. Is there anything else in your business that you would consider a primary business driver? Well, probably 10 years ago, I knew that there were so many turndowns in local banks because... A lot of times people say no because they can, mm -hmm. and, they, and they have a faucet that doesn't go out. They just turn it down or turn it up depending on how much business they want. Um, so I've done a really, I feel like a decent job of trying to find business bankers or loan officers inside of banks that they don't want to let the customer down. They'll, they want to keep their bank, their savings, their car loan, their CD, whatever else they have, but they hate making that phone call on that mortgage to say, unfortunately, we can't help you. And it's a wide range of why they couldn't do it or they didn't want to do it. And, you know, I think our system is we have a high success rate with converting those turndowns to closable deals. And that goes back to my why, which is helping families grow their legacy. And so I feel like everybody deserves a loan if they're able. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if it's one circumstance or one 
small thing that they can't figure out or one mistake that the loan officer made or the processor made during the process, they should that shouldn't just kick them out automatically. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. in most banking institutions, they have so many coming in, those get pushed off in the conveyor belt. Mm-hmm. Like, sorry, it's too hard. See you later. Yeah, the hard, the hard yeah, they ones have, get they, pushed off. Yeah. They have specific overlays. They're looking for a certain minimum FICO. They don't do, some of the credit unions don't do gubbies. Mm-hmm. And, and you're right to that point. Um, inside loan offices in those banks, they don't want to tell the customer no. Um, none of us do in the industry. Whenever I originated, um, if I couldn't do a loan, but I knew somebody like maybe Brian could do the loan, that was a product you had. I'd, I'd rather have that person be able to get the loan than to just send them out in the street and say <laughs> no. Um, so that's, that's, that's a great source, and I, I love that idea, a strategy for partnering up with some local banks and credit unions and maybe even trading some deals. Uh, oftentimes, maybe there's a HELOC <laughs> that we don't want to do or yeah. can't do for whatever reason, and they have some niche products that you know that customer might qualify under their program. Yeah, yeah, 100%. The interesting thing about most banks is people go to their bank before they call an agent. Unlike us, you know, they'll have an agent, they'll go in, you know, they'll go in the bank, hey, I want to get a loan. Okay, let's start. And then, you know, if they get turned down, well, then they don't, you know, then they get a call to me and they're like, hey, so it's like, I call it a golden ticket. Like Willy Wonka, hey, I got this (laughs) referral. I don't have an agent. What area of town do you want to be in? Do those questions, try to you know, connect them with the right agent. Right. And then that way, you know, you're, you're doing, you're giving back to going the agent. Going full circle. Just keeps mm-hmm. going. And they say, well, where'd you get it from? I said, the, your local bank, they turned them down. Like, and then I tell agents, hey, if you're from a small town or you're from, an, you know, a suburb in Cincinnati and you have real strong roots there, go to all the local banks there and tell them that you're a realtor. That's the number one thing I would do. Because those loan officers are taking orders so fast, if they say, hey, I need an agent, and your card's sitting on their desk, you're getting a call. I'm mm-hmm. telling you. Yep. And that has nothing to do with me. They're going to do the loan. It'll be fine. But they they just can't go out and be as flexible as, you know, we can be, you know, the, the three of us in our day because mm-hmm. they're tied to that desk because there's so much coming in. Yeah. Yeah. So, Rob, we don't we don't have much more time left together. I want to kind of end with two questions here. One, what advice would you have for a a loan officer who's like, you know, closing maybe two, three deals a month that's wanting to kick it up to how do I how do I get to five or six? What, What would you say is that secret sauce or that piece of advice? Well, regardless how big your database is, you still have to call it. Even if it's a hundred loans, you'd be surprised what you can get out of a hundred people in a database. And then a hundred turns into a thousand and then it just keeps getting bigger. So, you know, I hear this a lot in my industry, in real estate, hey, I don't have a database, I don't you know, I don't really have that many people to call. You you'd be surprised what turns up if you actually put an action step and a plan into work in your database um you know 100 even even mine i don't think it's huge but if i really cognitively and put forth 120 percent effort into calling my database something will come out of it someone will sell someone will buy someone will refi 
and I didn't deserve the loan back, but I just did a good job the first time. Mm -hmm. And they will either call back or they will, you know, like I don't know if I told you this. I think I did tell you this, Brian, but we decided to give a small gift to all our clients mm -hmm. this year. And we got seven refis out of it. Wow. And we called them all when they were able to refi. Yeah. You know, the six yeah. month, but they didn't do anything. Yeah. So you call them up, say, hey, I have a gift for you. They walk in. They're like, hey, can you look <laughs> at my numbers? Okay. So we do. And then we have, they go in the pipeline and oh, just over a simple phone call over a cutting board. Yeah. Like it's a small yeah. cutting board. <laughs> nothing big. Didn't it cost you a lot of money. Yeah. Correct. And then, but we've been calling them. They just haven't done anything. Yeah. You probably, seven. you probably you, made enough off of those seven to pay for the cutting boards twice over. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, nice job. So I would say number one for a two to three, no matter how big going to five, you have to call your database. You have to be in front of them because the more you call them, you know, hey, do you have a question about your mortgage? You can make up a lot of things or say a lot of stuff to, you know, just checking in on you. Hey, I didn't want to, I mean, I use this line. I didn't want you to think I forgot about you. Yeah. Hey, I just noticed that you had a baby, you know, I, hey, it's your birthday. I mean, you'd be surprised how many yeah. loans I get because I call someone on their yep. birthday. Yeah, no and, matter how and, big your database and, is. And if you're a loan originator sitting here going, well, I don't have a database, my guess is you have a Facebook, you probably have a LinkedIn, like hundreds of and you have a phone, right? Your cell phone has a ton of numbers in it. Just start going through it. So, Rob, my last question to you before we let you go is, is there anything that you wished we would have asked you so that you could share with those listening that we haven't? You know, this business is not for the weak, but you can be very successful if you stick to it and don't try to chase the next shiny penny. Yeah. I mean, that that's the thing that I see. Even agents, you know, they're like, oh, we got this new thing. Okay, great. We don't use it. <laughs> oh, you know, we've got this, you know, mobility RE. Oh, what are we doing? Yeah. With it? Uh, we're not going to use it. Yeah. You know, but... To me, it's just get back to what it was. Back to was basics that's worked for the last Listen, 50 years in I, our industry. Yeah, I was going to say. Pick I, up the phone and call your database. I was going to say, I, if you've ever watched the movie um, The Wolf of Wall Street, one of my favorite lines from that is, pick up the phone and start dialing. Right. <laughs> pick a up the phone and that. start dialing. So, well, Rob, thank you so much for spending some time with John and I here. Um, for those of you who are watching, please feel free to like subscribe and share on all your social media outlets on behalf of john jones rob young and myself if there's anything that you need please know Thanks, we're rob. always here to serve Thanks.